Welcome to another episode of Viatorian Voices Conversations on the Way. This is pre-associate Dan Masterton, and I'll be your host for these episodes in the Boulder Dreams series for ministerial formation. Today we focus on hospitality. For this topic, our guest is John Kyler. John has served the church as a publications editor, a liturgical music composer and minister, and a campus minister. He also has a lot of teaching experience, and he currently serves as a theology teacher and department chairperson at Mother Macaulay High School in Chicago, Illinois. John is the author of a few books, including Welcome All as Christ, Reimagining Parish Hospitality. To start, I asked him to share his definition of hospitality. Enjoy the conversation. So when I think of hospitality, I think of it in two parts. I think there's intentionality and I think there's self-gift, right? So I like to define hospitality as the intentional self-giving welcome of others. Because I think if we're going to be hospitable, we have to be intentional about it. It's not something that's that's going to happen passively um, or without giving the necessary attention. Uh, And self-giving, because that's that's our life in Christ, right? And, And sometimes when we think about hospitality, it's easy to put the burden on those we're reaching out to or those we're welcoming, we're, we're aiming to welcome. But really, if we're going to practice hospitality and be ministers of hospitality, that burden's on us. It's going to take some self-gift on our part. And that's not always easy, but it's important. And that's life in Christ. Yeah, I think in some parishes, you see kind of the old school word of just usher used for like someone who maybe monitors communion lines or something. But in more and more settings, you're seeing this wider attention to a ministry of hospitality that includes a lot of the things that maybe you'd think of an usher doing, but now is kind of extended out to this broader understanding of like what it means to create hospitable space. Yeah, absolutely. And I, th- I think I think even if we look at that, that root of the word that, uh, of hospitality, that hospice in the Latin um, translated as host and guest, right? It's relational, right? It's not one-sided. It, it, it takes two to tango. Um, and I, I think that that's, that's an important part of it too, right? Because in some parishes that I've been a part of, and you mentioned you've been a part of, um, ushers play an important role and it's an important ministry. And, and yes, monitoring communion lines and yes, um, collecting the offering, yes, very important. But we have the opportunity to to go beyond that right to engage that relationship in ways that pay attention to the people who are in front of us or who are not in front of us um, and uh, be mindful and intentional about what we're doing to cultivate relationships within the parish so when you think about a place of worship like catholic church or maybe like the pastoral center community center that's connected to the church i think sometimes we can get very you know practical that you know, we're thinking about the heating and cooling, or we're thinking about, you know, how squeaky the kneelers are, or, you know, how loud the hymnals thud into the shelves when people put them down. But what do you think of when you think of hospitality in a place of worship? Like, what does it mean to be hospitable as a faith community in the place where you worship or gather? I think there's a couple of ways we can look at this. I think, first of all, um, hospitality in a parish community or, or, or any Christian community acknowledges those who are present and the gifts of those who are present, right? So it's not just saying like, oh, glad you're here, but glad you're here. And I'm grateful for the gift that you are as a person and the experiences and talents and um, yourself that you bring to the table and to our community. And in that same sense, also recognizing who's not there, but maybe could be or might want to be, but doesn't 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 feel that at, at the moment. 
beyond that, I think when we think about hospitality like in a parish community, there's some basic things that that um, that you said. I mean, like you mentioned the the sound of the of the hymnals going into the into the racks uh, or the AC, but there are some physical considerations that you think of when we think of hospitality, right? If someone drives by your parish, would they know that an active faith community is present there, right? That worships there. Um, that's not always the case. And that's such low hanging fruit, right? To make it, make it clearly visible. This is a, this is a faith community. Uh, this is where we worship regularly. So, so things like that are, are so significant. Seeing the name of the church, right? Seeing the entrances of the church marked, right? How many times have you gone to a parish maybe you haven't been familiar with and you're like, where do I go in, right? Yes. And again, that, that sounds so simple, but we've been in those situations where like, okay, like this, this is awkward. Like I don't want to I don't want to walk right right into the sanctuary, and I don't know where where I'm where I'm supposed to supposed to go in. So make it easy. Label the entrance. <laughs> List the mass times. Right. Tell people when you're celebrating mass, like when you're having your other events. Is there parking? Right. And is it available for people that need it? Again, these seem so ridiculously simple. But there are things we have to be intentional about. There are things that we have to commit to naming and um, working through and with uh, within our communities. Like, is there garbage on the ground in the parking lot, right? Another low-hanging fruit. So I think those are some of those, those physical considerations. And those are before we even meet anyone. Like, we haven't even met a person yet. Uh, we've had experiences of parishes, any, any type of organization, but parishes where maybe... Um, we rely too heavily on printed signs to give instructions like don't sit here or go here or turn off your phone. Yeah, those are important things like people need to know what to do, but maybe we can do it in a way that's um, a little less aggressive, right? Than the than the big, bold red poster on the, on the doors to the church that says, make sure your phone is off. This is a house of worship, which yes, it is. And we want to respect that. But I think there's a way we can do that in a way that's less aggressive. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, less hospitality and aggression are probably not particularly compatible values. So if, if those are some of the low-hanging fruits when it comes to how you physically set up and maintain your parish property and your worship space, then eventually you do actually start to encounter people and people come to your parish or your place of worship or community center to be received in some way or for some program or purpose or to, for worship. What are some of the interpersonal things that faith communities need to be thinking about or what are some of the practices that need to be in place to do hospitality well yeah absolutely i think a really simple one is is does mass start on time right if we if we tell people that we're going to to celebrate at this time and we're expecting people to show up we should honor that and start on time and not um i mean of course things come up you know people are busy and as a musician there are lots of times where i'm i'm rehearsing the psalm uh, with with the cantor before mass, um, so maybe I, I, I'm guilty of pushing that too. But you know, if we tell people mass is at nine, we should respect that and begin mass at nine. When people come in, are they welcome? Are they not even welcome? Are they acknowledged? Does someone acknowledge one's presence when they enter your community? Again, sounds basic, but think about like your recent experience at, at church or experience of, of, of parishes in general. Have there been times where you've seen people enter? And there's not even not even any ounce of naming that they're there, right? Like we're not talking about like a let's have party hats in the celebration that you're here, but 
hello, we're glad you're here. <laughs> I think uh, the way that it's said, do the ministers, do the greeters, the hospitality ministers, do any of the liturgical ministers uh, convey welcome through their tone of voice, through their facial expressions, through their through their body language, right? Do regular mass goers or church attendees do they move in to the center of the row when people show up or do they have to play that game of like climbing over the people on the end because that's where I sit, right? And I was here first. So if you want to sit in this pew, you are going to crawl over me. It is funny. It's funny, but it's also very real. <laughs> it's very real. Does the cantor or musicians encourage full participation, right? By naming and finding where people can find the hymns and the songs and acclamations, right? Does the accompanist play in a style that supports congregational prayer? Do the musical styles and hymn texts reflect the diversity of your community, of those who are gathering to worship, right? Are we intentional about that? Um, does the presider preach or, or deacon preach or uh, preacher preach in a way that's not hurtful or alienating. And I think that that word choice is important, right? As musicians, as, as presiders, as ministers in general, we have to be mindful of the words that we use because words can hurt, right? Even without intentionally hurting, words can hurt. Liturgical language can either build up or destroy, right? Liturgical language has the power to either build up or destroy. And it's true. And it's our choice and responsibility to to remember that and to keep that in mind so do kids feel welcome do children do 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 young parents feel welcome right and you you have experiences of, of of bringing your young children to mass i i hope that they've all been welcomed in the different places that you've been um but it wouldn't necessarily surprise me if that weren't the case Right. I think teenagers, do teenagers have a place in your community? Right. It's so easy to write them off as as the, oh, um, they can be our they can be our workers, right? Working in college campus ministry uh, that's connected to a parish. And um it was a great parish, but so often parishioners only respond to acknowledgement of the college students at this university parish for, oh, they'll help set up the tables for the the refreshments after, or oh, they'll help move all the boxes of the Christmas decorations, right? Like, yes, like accountants are happy to help and that's great, but they're more than just there to do the work. They're value, they should be valued members of the community. Do people who live without a home feel welcome in your community? Do immigrants and refugees feel welcome and invited? Do non-Catholics or any type of seeker feel welcome, right? Someone who just says, hey, I wanna give this faith thing a try. Would they feel welcome? And I think that with our, um, especially with, with parish hospitality and, and liturgical ministry, we have one shot. Right, so often we have one shot. Someone will say, "I'm going to give this a try," and they come, and they either they either feel it, they either feel that welcome, or they don't. And I've I've heard I've been in ministry for a long time, and you probably heard this too, Dan. People say like, "Oh, well, only if they would have come to the the ten o'clock mass instead of the eight o'clock mass." Yes. Or, oh, if they, if they would have stayed for this priest, or oh, if they would have just come to this thing after. Well, we don't have that luxury often, right? We have one shot to engage people, to name them, uh, to, to recognize them, and to say, we value you and your presence here and the gifts that you bring to our community. Yeah, and the stakes of that can be intimidating, but acknowledging it in an intentional way before it happens gives you a better chance to receive that person in a way that will make that lasting connection and, and keep them coming back, you hope. Yeah, absolutely. And I, and I think that's that's the the wisdom of, of St. Benedict uh, in his rule, that, that idea that we should welcome all as Christ. And I love that image. I love that phrase. Welcome every person we encounter as if they were Christ. 
because that's 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 what we're called to do and it is what we do but but using those words is a reminder of the stakes there and and how important it is to recognize christ in all we encounter because it's not always easy i mean maybe it's easy for you uh, but i i will say it is not always easy for me <laughs> it's yeah it's a tall order but it's like the ideal of our faith that we're called to live up to so we need to try we need to make an earnest effort be faithful about it i think of you know the physical considerations the interpersonal considerations at our parish here in naperville illinois when my girls are walking into mass with my wife and i they immediately go to this little plastic stand near the doors that go into the sanctuary to get these little four-page booklets for the week for Mass that have a couple puzzles, a couple little like pictures of Christ or the disciples or a figure from the Old Testament that they can color or doodle or do the game or whisper to us to ask questions about. And we bring a few books ourselves too. But for them, part of like getting to Mass is going to get the little green and yellow booklets that our family faith formation puts out for them to get. And even if they don't do the whole thing every time or have, you know, an epiphany about the scriptures or something, there's something about that ritual that becomes part of mass and gives them an opportunity to feel at home and to get something, you know, spiritually substantial out of it. So there's seemingly a, a small thing making a big impact on these little hearts and minds that we're bringing with us in our family, for sure. Absolutely. What a beautiful example, because they, they, they know then that someone cares that they're there. Yes. Right. Someone other than my, other than mom or dad cares that we're here gathering as a community. Yeah, and I think I think that's an easy connection for us as parents and for other leaders in our parish to make as they help us raise our kids in the faith. I think it's an example of this next question I'm, I want to ask is like a parish tries to have intentionality and tries to build out robust you know physical hospitality, robust interpersonal care, but then like what are the fruits? Like what do you see? if and when a parish starts to like kind of succeed in this fidelity and establish a hospitable community? Like what do you see in the members and how does that faith community make an impact for others then? Absolutely. I think you come to authentically know people, right? And and to know people for who they are and their own God-given gifts, right? The gifts that they bring to the community, which are so, so often I don't want to say ignored, but but not not given the attention or priority that I think they deserve, right? Every single person in our parish community is essential, every single person. And with that, their gifts are essential and important. We need their gifts. We need their presence. Um, we don't just need their money. I think sometimes there's the focus on like we want you here for your money. Um, but no, we need your we need your presence. Like there's no one else that can be you. We need you. Uh, we need your kids there, Dan. We need the young adults. Um, we need people there. And I think that robust hospitality um, allows people um, to engage in those those conversations to begin that dialogue of, of getting to know someone so they can say, hey, I see this gift in you, right? Will you share it with our community? Or I, I see that this is something that you can do or that you're really good at. Would you share with us? And I think that, that that's one of the biggest fruits of hospitality is being able to name the God-given gifts in others and finding ways to welcome them and encourage them within the faith community because they are essential. It's not just an end in itself, though hospitality is important for its own reasons, but it then becomes the pathway by which people come to feel they belong and people come to like live out the vocations and be who God made them to be. 100%. And then I think one of the, one of the, 
we could say a litmus test for that is, um, are people missed when they're not there, right? And I, and I think that that's important to think about too, right? We should have such uh, respect and value for all of our, our members. And of course, you know, people contribute in different ways and do different things or involved in different ways, that's fine. But we should be able to say like, I missed your voice at the table today. Right? I missed your I missed your voice at the table. I missed your I missed your presence. The difference between a negative version and a positive version, I think, is the value of hospitality as a mindset and like an ethos. Because you could very easily play out a scenario where someone isn't at mass or their family's not at mass. And the next week someone is sort of policing it, saying, like, hey, why didn't you come to mass? You know, kind of implying like, what's wrong with you? Or why did you mess this up? But I think in a hospitality ethos, it's more like wondering if they're okay, you know, wondering if there's a vacation they'd want to talk about, or wondering if there's a special occasion in their family, a niece getting first communion, or, you know, a nephew getting baptized and they went somewhere else for church that weekend. And it opens up a door for conversation because of that ethos of receiving someone. 100%. I, I think that, I think that's so, so true and, and, and such an important, uh, part of the approach of hospitality right again it's one of those things we can joke about but the, when we hear especially christmas and easter when we hear the homilies or people say like oh you know you can come back tomorrow too but say it in a in a way that's not life-giving or welcoming <laughs> right yes that hurts like that that legitimately hurts that hurts members of the community that are there and members that are not there so I think the way we go about it is important, right? Like you said, hospitality is not an end in itself. It's the opportunity to, to build up community. I think often of this prayer from the dedication of a church and altar. I love, 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 love this prayer that's, that's prayed. Um, and I'll share it now because I think that this, this gets to the heart of who we are as, as a parish community. From the dedication, here may the poor find mercy, the oppressed attain true freedom, and all people be clothed with the dignity of your children until they come exultant to the Jerusalem, which is above. I mean, I get goosebumps every time I read that or see that. And I think that that should be plastered in the back of every single church, right? Here, there's a place for the poor find mercy, the oppressed find true freedom, and people be clothed with the dignity of your children, right? That, we have, that's what we have to remember. That's why we exist, right? I, I joke sometimes when I'm giving presentations and I say like, like the women's guild is not the mission of the church. It's an important part of the church and it contributes to the mission of the church, but it's not the mission of the church, right? The mission of the church is creating a space here where the poor find mercy, the oppressed attain freedom and all clothe the dignity of God's children. So if you were to kind of bring all this together, all of your experience and all of these different ministries and trying to be a person who helps build hospitality and, and form others to do the same. Viatorians, we, we, we say that we raise communities of faith, whether that's in a parish, whether that's in a school community, whether it's a parish and school together, whether it's other apostolates where we're trying to bring people together to be the hands and feet of God's love and justice. What would you want Viatorians to know as we're trying to walk with young people and underserved people about hospitality, how can we be good companions of youth and underserved people? Yeah, that's a great question. And as I answer that, I think about my own experience with, with the Viatorian community. Uh, and when I was in college, uh, the rector of my dorm was, was a Viatorian priest, and he became a, a, a great spiritual mentor and a dear friend. Uh, and I, and I'm, I'm grateful for him and the ways that he showed me 
uh, the importance of welcoming people for who they are, for naming those gifts, right? I was a young college kid who didn't know what the heck I was doing. Um, but he's like, John, you play piano, right? You should play for mass. And I was like, well, if you say so, I'll give it a try. Um, but he saw a gift and helped cultivate it. And he did that for, for me and for, for all of my classmates in the dorm. And I think that's, that's, that, that's the take home from this, is how can we see people for who they are, see people for what they bring, and then empower them to run with it, to do it. Um, in, in teaching, we've got that, that wonderful um, line, model coach fade. And I think that's what we do in ministry too, right? We model something like we model hospitality, we coach people through it, and then we back off and let them do it, right? And live into it. Um, and I'm grateful for Father Dan and the way he did that for me. I feel so blessed to have uh, known him and worked with him and learned from him and his, his Viatorian presence. Uh, which which in all of his years of educating young people and uh, serving as a parish pastor and as a teacher, he knew that he came to he came to know that reality that um, it's about seeing who's in front of us and um, recognizing, naming, and empowering. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Folks who would like to reach out can contact John through his website, jkyler.com. That's j k y l e r dot com. His book, Welcome All as Christ, is available from Liturgical Press and includes an acknowledgement of Father Dan Nolan, CSV, with whom John worked during college at the University of Notre Dame. All of this info is in our show notes. Our thanks to John for sharing his insights and our prayers for his continued ministries with young people. To learn more about the Viatorians or invite vocational accompaniment, email us at vocations at viatorians.com or DM us on social media at Viatorian USA. On behalf of Brother Peter and the Viatorian community, I'm pre-associate Dan Masterton. Venerable Louis Curbs, inspire us. St. Vider, pray for us. Adored and loved be Jesus. Mm-hmm.